Hello. Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Well, good morning. So glad that you guys are here. Thanks for joining us, um, whether you're here in person or if you're streaming online. Uh, I got on just a little bit ago just to say good morning to everybody there. Haven't forgotten you in these past few weeks. We uh, are thankful that God has still given us this technology that you can join us even remotely. So we're, we're glad that you've joined us. If you have your Bibles, if you would please open them to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 7. We have a lot to cover in a short amount of time here, so we're going to jump in pretty quickly. Acts chapter 7, we have 60 verses that I'm going to read, all right, 60, and you say, really? I thought you just said you were going to do it quick. Well, listen, we're going to talk quickly, um, and I'm not going to rush. I think the Spirit of the Lord wants to work in our minds and our hearts, and I think he wants to use his word to do that and his spirit to speak to us as well. So um, let's dig in Acts chapter 7. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to kind of highlight a few things after that. Acts chapter 7, I'll be reading from the ESV. You can follow along there with me or up on the screen. Acts chapter 7, verse 1. And the high priest said, are these things so? Let me just pause. I know we're going to go through this quickly, right? Hey, you made it through one verse. That's good. Remember what the question was. All right. The accusation to, about Stephen was that he had made threats that he was going to that that God was going to tear down the temple and rebuild it in three days. That's critical when we think about what Stephen is going to say, because now um, the Sanhedrin is giving Stephen an opportunity to defend himself against this accusation. So Stephen. The high priest says, "What uh, he says are these things so? So here is Stephen's response. Verse 2. Stephen said, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The, glo- the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran, and said to him, Go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land that I will show you. Then he went out into the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into this land in which you are now living. Yet he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot, foot's length, but promised to give it to him as a possession and to his offspring after him, though he had no child. God spoke to this effect, that his offspring would be sojourners in the land belonging to others who would enslave them and afflict them 400 years. But I will judge the nation that they serve, said God, and after they shall, after that they shall come out and worship me in this place. And he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac became the father of Jacob and Jacob of the 12 patriarchs. And the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt. But God was with him. And rescued him out of all of his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over all his household. Now there came a famine throughout all Egypt and Canaan, a great affliction, and our fathers could find no food. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers on their first visit. 
On the second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. And Joseph sent and summons Jacob, his father, and all his kindred, 75 persons in all. And Jacob went down into Egypt, and he died, he and our fathers, and they were carried back to Shechem and laid into the tomb that Abraham had bought with a sum of silver from the sons of Hamar in Shechem. But as the time of the promise drew near, which God had granted to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt until there arose over Egypt another king who did not know Joseph. He dealt shrewdly with our race and forced our fathers to expose their infants so that they would not be kept alive. At this time, Moses was born and he was beautiful in God's sight. And he was brought up for three months in his father's house. And when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God had given them salvation by his hand, and they did not understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, saying, Who made you a ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. Now when 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in a flame of a fire in a bush. Moses saw it, and he was amazed at the sight, and as he drew near to look, there came the voice of the Lord. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. And Moses trembled. And did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their groanings, and I have come down to deliver them. And now, come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you ruler and a judge? This man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai. And with our fathers, he received living oracles to give to us. Our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside. And in their hearts, they turned to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make for us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses who led us out from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days, and they offered a sacrifice to the idol, and were rejoicing in the works of their hands. But God turned away and gave them over to the worship of the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets. Did you not bring to me slain beasts and sacrifices during the 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? 
You took up the tent of Moloch and the star of your god Rephon and the images that you made to worship, and I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it, according to the pattern that he had seen. Our fathers in turn brought it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David, who found favor in the sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands, as the prophet says, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all of these things? You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in your heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. As we read this text, it's a great uh, long speech the longest speech that we have recorded in the book of Acts. And yet it's one that's very memorable. And uh, I remember learning this when I was a kid and uh, just a child and reading it and seeing it and then hearing about this man who died, who was stoned to death. I think this morning what I would ask for us to think about, and this is part two of a two-part Um, series here of this section. The first was the accusations, and today is the truth. It's the truth. Lisa and I have had the wonderful privilege, I have had the wonderful privilege of being married for 21 years. We celebrated on Friday. My wife, I don't know if she's had that wonderful privilege or not. Uh, I know that I way married up, okay? And, uh, you know, one of the great things as you grow and learn throughout those years is um, you can either listen or not listen. And my wife is a wise woman. And throughout these years, I, there were times, I will admit, there were times that I didn't want to listen to what she had to say. Very quickly, I have learned, sometimes I wish I learned quicker, that what she has to say, I needed to listen to. Because she was probably pointing out an area that I didn't want to hear about, but I needed to hear about it. She did that the other day for me. She pointed out something and said, because I asked, 
And of course, when I ask, then she's more free to give. I said, so what's your observation? Of course, this was a little, not sarcastic, but it was a little bit of sarcasm. She said, nothing. And then we were driving, so a few seconds later, well, since you asked, and I had a point and I had a time right there in that second, was I going to listen to the truth, her observation, or was I going to reject it? That's what we need to do this morning with the word of God. You have an opportunity as you sit and listen to the truth. What will you do with it? Because we all have that choice. I've broken it down to this. I think we need to hear the truth. And the word um, Paul records in Romans, um, how would they believe without hearing? And how will you hear without preaching? The preaching of the word is critical to God sending his message. And so if you, if you think that preaching is old style and it's something that doesn't need to happen today, you, you, you're not listening to the truth of God's word. There are times that I don't want to preach. I, I don't know, Pastor Ed, if you ever felt that in all your years of ministry. There's, there's maybe just three times of all those years, you know, that you didn't feel like getting up and preaching the word of God. But we, we've been called, I've been called to preach the word. And in so doing, that's a fulfillment of what scripture says that we need to do. And so we can hear the word. We need to hear the word. So as we hear the word, we need to do a couple things. One is we need to review and know the facts. Uh, Stephen is giving a summary of God's work. It it was Israel's uh, history. He's he's helping them to look at the past and say, "Let let me remind you of what has taken place. And as we look at the truth, we need to make sure that we know the facts, that we review, that we understand what is the truth. Not what do I think is the truth or what I think I was taught, but what is in the word of God. In order to listen, we need to hear the truth, review it, and know the facts. Number two, facts don't produce a relationship. All right? Being presented a bunch of facts or knowing a bunch of facts doesn't mean that you have a close relationship with Jesus. I I believe as Stephen is bringing back to mind these facts, the history, these religious leaders knew what he was talking about. They knew the law. They they knew about Abraham. They, They knew about Jacob. They knew about Joseph. They knew about Moses. They knew about David. And Solomon, so what was he doing? He was helping to, to remind them and to bring back the importance of what? That their relationship with God was about a relationship. It wasn't about keeping the law. It wasn't about doing all the things the law said. It was much more than that. The law was given to them to bring them in a closer walk with God and to allow other nations to see that these were God's chosen people, distinct and set apart so that God would be shining and, on, and that he would be magnified. And so in doing this, um, there, we just sang a little bit, 
the treasure you found. Here's the treasure. Have you heard about the treasure? The treasure is Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus Christ came, he lived a perfect and sinless life, died on the cross for you and for me, ultimately so that we could have salvation, so that we could have a relationship, that treasure that we could find. And so many of you have found that. But remember what the truth is all about. It's about relationship. It's not about knowing just the facts. The facts are critical and important because they build that foundation. But those, those facts help us to understand it's about a relationship. So we need to hear the truth. The second part is uh, the reaction to the truth. I don't know about you, but when my children pull out my bad qualities, I don't want to hear it. And you ever have that where somebody points out the, the bad qualities or the qualities that you don't want to hear about in your life? Um, how do you react? How do you respond? And so we see um, here the reaction of the religious leaders and how they responded. And so if you would look with me there in Acts chapter 7, um, Stephen is very clear, verse 51, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. I mean, he's calling them on the carpet. He's saying, listen, you have a problem. And it's not the physical circumcision, it's the circumcision of your heart. You haven't allowed God to penetrate your heart. One of the things that I found interesting just studying this is there, unfortunately, in our English translation, between verse 53 and verse 54, you probably have a break where there's a break in the paragraph, and that probably shouldn't be there. Just from a standpoint that Stephen isn't done with his, with his proclamation here, with his defense, all right, because... Verse 54 helps us to see, okay, here's the reaction, but Stephen is still sitting there giving an, giving an answer for the question that he was asked. And so in some ways, make sure that you don't miss this because this is, this is the, 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 the critical point. It's kind of like that point when you get to the mo- get important part of the movie and everything builds to that one point and the bad guy is defeated all right, this is the critical line here of, of what Stephen wants to say. And unfortunately, it kind of gets missed because we think there's this long pause. He says this in verse 56. Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. What was he doing? What was he saying? The climax of his response was that Jesus is alive. This guy who you thought you crucified and died is alive and he's standing, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. This guy who you thought was just a man, he is the Son of God, the Son of Man. And notice their response. Not only were they upset before, They were enraged, verse 54 says they were enraged and they were grinding their teeth. So it's kind of like they're sitting there and as soon as he says this, they lose it. They can't can't hold back anymore because now what what has happened is they they, they have 
heard witness that they and their establishment of the Jewish culture and religion at that time, that, that all of that was broken down. That Stephen was saying, where you're at and what you are doing is no different than what your fathers have done. You have failed to listen to who God is and to his message. Moses even told you that the promised one was coming and you crucified him. And so their reaction to the truth was this. We see this, verse 57. They cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears and rushed together at him. And they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. Their reaction was to be defensive. And so when we look at this, there's three, three stops. When we, when we react to the truth... Stop being on the defense. That's so hard for me. I'm just being real. I don't know how you respond to criticism and to different people when they try to speak into your life. Um, When we hear truth, and we have to weigh what those facts are and what the truth is, but when we do, we have to stop being defensive. We've got to let our guard down. As the Spirit of God speaks to us, don't be defensive. Listen. Listen. Pause and listen. We are quick to speak and slow to listen. But James tells us the opposite. As mom used to say, that's why God gave you two ears and one mouth, right? Stop being on the defensive and listen. Boy, that would go a long way if the church, if we would listen and if we would live that way, it would change our world. Second is this, stop seeking earthly view. Stop seeking the earthly view. See, what had happened is the Jewish um, leaders at that time had built their establishment in such a way that their hearts were hardened. Um, Stephen says, you, your uncircumcised heart, meaning God wasn't penetrating their heart. They had an earthly view. Their mindset was about what needed to be done and the rules and the laws that needed to be kept at that time. We can get into that. This is a time now where we've been in some ways sh- shaken in a really good, healthy way. What is of most critical as we walk with Jesus and as the church. Don't think earthly wise. We've got to think heavenly. And, and the only way that we can do that is we, if we allow the spirit of God to speak to us and we've got to listen. The third is this, stop trying to save your life. I might get some backlash, but I don't care this morning. Stop trying to save your life. If you've died with Jesus, you have nothing else to live for except for him. Stop trying to protect yourself from every bad and cruel thing. I'm not just talking about viruses. I'm talking about the way we live our lives and the intentionality that God calls us to live. Stop trying to be so safe. When you look at the apostles and the way they lived their lives, they were unashamed. I think we throw that term out very loosely today. 
And I, I'm not trying to be overly critical. There's times in my life that I've, that I've lived shameful of Jesus, and I'm ashamed to say that. But as I look at the account and as I grow in my faith and I grow in my relationship because it's more than just keeping rules or trying to make the appearance of looking a certain way. As I follow Jesus and as he gets a hold of my heart, I begin to sense that there's nothing else to live for except for him. And, and yet, I love my wife. I love my children. I love my job. I love you. But yet, there's nothing greater than to live on this earth and to give God glory and to say, Lord, it's all yours, and I'm going to release it all. And I'm going to stop trying to save because really, I don't have any power. I don't have any power to control those things. And yet we walk around and we try, we try to manipulate and we try and we get upset because it doesn't turn out the way we want it to turn. Look at Stephen. Look at what's happening in his life. He's giving an account and a record of who Jesus is and the fact that he's come and he's wrecked this Jewish establishment so that he could bring life and relationship, but they don't want to hear it because they want to live the safe life. But Stephen is the opposite of that. He's willing to give his life. And I know it can be scary, but let me tell you, would there not be anything greater for us and for you and for your family to see than if you gave your life for the cause of Jesus? But we're too afraid. When this whole pandemic started, I, I started reading some, some accounts of the old, the old pandemics of old time. And I started reading about what different preachers did during those times. Because I wanted to make sure I did what God wanted. And some of the greatest leaders of those times during those plagues were clergy who stepped up, who did funeral after funeral, who made visit after visit, who passed out food, who did what needed to be done. Were they scared? but they served God because they knew it was worth the cost, even if it cost them their life. Stop trying to save your life. God knows how many days you have. They're recorded in a book. He knows how long it's gonna be. You don't know, I don't know. And it's foolish for us to start to think that we have some control over that. God knows how long your life is. Live it to the fullness for Jesus Christ. Stop trying to save your life. We've died with Jesus so that we have been made alive. So live that way. Our reaction to the truth. I found this quote by Alexandria uh, Niegro, and it says this, the trial of the gospel it's in a book called The Trial of the Gospel, an Apologetic of Luke's Trial Narratives. And he says this, due to their inability to produce credi credible accusations, the opponents consistently have to resort to, listen to this, noise, anger, and violence. Their weapon is heat, not light. Today, we have the opportunity as the body of Jesus Christ to make sure that when we hear truth 
and as we listen to the word of God being preached and as we're in the word each day and we listen to the spirit, we have an opportunity to respond either with heat or with the light. We can only do that with God's help. The third part, we need to hear the truth, our reaction to the truth. We need to speak the truth. Let the Holy Spirit and his word guide you and I. That's what Stephen does. He's recounting the Old Testament. I think it's close to 11 of our books of the Old Testament that he references or you can see where he gets the story from. Stephen knew the word. He was full of wisdom, full of grace, full of the spirit, but he knew the word. The word was part of his life. And in so doing, he became so familiar with the word of God that he couldn't help but to speak it. I don't know what your schedule looks like, and I've challenged us in the past to look at the 20 minutes and to say, would you give God your first 20? These things are great. These things are horrific. Because they go off and... oh. And then all of a sudden, my kids were making fun of me this week because I was on Facebook and they're like, oh, there goes dad. He's lost in Facebook again. It's not bad, but listen, how do you start your day? Are you in the truth? Don't pick it up. Don't pick it up until you have picked this up. You say, well, I, I read it on here. Maybe you're stronger than I. Maybe you can do it. I, I can't do it. I, I got it on there, but man, I get distracted. Things pop up. Ding. Oh, what's that? Oh, nice. So-and-so's doing something. That was important. And that leads me down, and all of a sudden, I'm doing something else and looking at the weather. And I'm like, how did I get here? Listen, this, the first 20, spend 20 minutes with the Lord reading it, and allowing God to speak to you and talking with him. Earlier this week, I, I, I just needed to get away. And so I um, took my Bible and I walked down the hallway. You say, well, you have an office. Yeah, but it's kind of like this. It just sometimes you get distracted with things. And so I grabbed my Bible and I said, I'm going to go down. So I told the staff, I said, I'm going down the hallway. They're like, oh, have a good nap. I said, no, I'm not going down to sleep. I have done that before. I just opened up my Bible and I read through the book of Romans. And God ministered, the Spirit of God ministered to me as I sat there listening and asking God to reveal his truth to me. If you've ever done that, you know what I'm talking about. You know it's richer, it's better than anything that you could ever eat or that you could enjoy. We have the truth of God. Feast on it. Enjoy it. May it be part of our lives. And when things are brought to our attention that we may get defensive or start to... Lord, help me to listen. It's a great book. I'll talk about it some more later, but it's called uh, Three Kings that I've read this week. Couldn't, couldn't put it down. And it talks about uh, King Saul, King David, and King Absalom. And uh, how, how David responds 
at different times in his life. David, with all of his faults, is called a man after God's own heart. I want to be like that. I want to respond to people like David responded. And as we look at Stephen, what an awesome and great example. As we live out the truth of God, may we not try to save our lives, but to know that we're safe in the arms of our Savior, Jesus. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the way you care for us. Thank you for giving us all that we have to enjoy. Lord, we all have a sin issue. We've we've been born with it. And yet the blood of Jesus can set us free from that so that we're no longer entangled and enslaved to sin. But by your Spirit's help, it actually, Lord, we we can choose not to sin. And Lord, I, I pray that as we live our lives, we would recognize and know what Jesus has truly done for us. Grasping hold of that treasure that we've heard and living our lives in such a way that takes us and ourself out of the equation that makes you and your story the focal point. Stephen's response, Lord, may that be true of us. May we point people to Jesus, knowing that sometimes the reaction may not be what we want. It may cause fear in our hearts. It may cause consequences that we don't want to have. But Lord, may we not play it safe. And may we count it a privilege as the apostles who were thrown into jail rejoice because they thought it was awesome that they could suffer like their Savior. Lord, I pray that you would provide opportunities for us this week and in the days ahead that we may let let Jesus shine in our lives. Thank you for your grace and mercy that redeems even our mistakes. And may we continue to allow your spirit to guide us and to direct us. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to allow Vince, he's going to play a little bit. And I'll let you sit just for a moment as you kind of... uh, process through what you've heard and then I'll dismiss uh, in a little bit each row. Thanks for being here today. God's blessing upon you and, uh, and your week.